real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is October 1st, 2019. Trick or treat. It is going to be such an exciting month. I mean, like I said, after Labor Day, it's like this carpet is being rolled out slowly. And, you know, unfortunately for the Democrats... <laughs> They walked right into this. Today, we have a lot to talk about. Um, and more so, we need to talk about vectors. Vectors are what we consider vessels, right? Vessels to move something. Like, if you want to move headphones from America to China, you need a vector. That vector is the ship, where you put them on and it goes. When you get the flu, uh, you know, the virus itself sitting on a doorknob can't survive. It needs a vector. So usually it's like, uh, you know, a spit particle or um, some form of water with, you know, cooties on it that you touch on a doorknob. It needs a vector. It needs a cell. No disease can survive without a vector to propagate it, Okay. And that concept is going to be very important. As always, whenever I do uh, my investigative writing and pieces, you, my listeners, hear it first before it gets published. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about misfood. We're going to talk about Brexit. I mean, there is so much to talk about, um, you know, and it's really, really an exciting time. But before we start talking about anything, I just want to play like a 10 second thing just a few times over just so that we can hear it so that way we can understand it uh it's really important that we understand it uh and what it says because yesterday i played it yesterday i played it and you know it was like yeah okay let's let's replay it because it's really important listen deep dive where is it Uh, uh, excuse me i love Lindsay. But I can't help but think the fact that he's an ex-senator. Look, excuse me, I love Lindsay, but I I can't help but think the fact that he's an ex-senator. Look, uh, these facts have been out there. How come this is taking so long? Ex-senator. All right. So I just wanted to replay that because it's really important to see a lot of us talk a lot of us have opinions right all of us do i have very very strong opinions on other people that you know flap their lips too um you know uh specifically specifically i would have to say like for example commentators i have very very specific factually based commentary you know, I've, I got a lot of flack from my listeners and a lot of people tuned out when I said Lindsey Graham's corrupt. But, you know, uh, sometimes truth hurts. I mean, it does. I hate looking in the mirror. It's like, hey, there's that extra pounds. Totally hate it. But, you know, truth, it hurts. But it's a fact, you know. Uh, excuse me. I love Lindsey. I don't. I can't help but think the fact that he's an ex-senator. Look, uh, these facts have been out there. He's an ex-senator. So I want to talk yeah. to you guys about Congress for a second. Um, you know what? Actually, let's table that. Let's talk about Brexit a little bit. Now, okay, I kind of said it yesterday, and I've been saying it also in my writing, that a foreign government, any foreign government, meddling or swaying elections of another is a big no-no, right? We have no business... 
telling another government what to do ever. We can't sit there and say, China, you're not allowed to ban Winnie the Pooh because it's just not right. No, you don't impose yourself. We can't sit there and say, England, you're not allowed to remain in the EU. You need to go, right? And not just by saying that, oh, it's my opinion. You can't give them facts and say, hey, English people, hey, Scots, hey, Irish, look, uh, the EU says that you can leave as long as they take all of Ireland. What do you think about that? That's where you get the IRA all fired up and they start blowing stuff up, right? Can't say that. Can't tell them the truth. We'll just talk about the border, right? Oh, yeah, we don't need a hard border. That's one. And so further to that, further to that, let's say, uh, we can't tell them, hey, your government's corrupt. Look what they were doing. They were meddling in the U.S. elections. They did this. They did that. They facilitated this. But here's the deal. The EU did, too. See, the EU's plan is this. This is why they didn't want Donald Trump president. Look at the facts. Can't do that. That would be swaying their politics. That would be swaying everything. So think for a second. If we want to help the world, as all good leaders do, they don't look to rule people. They look to give them that hand and bring them up to their level. It's kind of like, look at me. I'm a leader. You can be a leader, too. Come, join me. Step up. Let's do this. That's what good managers are. That's what good leaders are. They amplify the need to make everyone a leader. Because then if everyone's accountable for every single thing they do, and they take pride in every single thing they do, then the world is a beautiful place. Well, so how do we help the Brits that have no idea what's going on? I mean, they really believe that cow farts make holes in the ozone. I kid you not. They really believe that guns have a mind of their own and they, people shouldn't have guns. They really believe that they're free, that they have freedom of speech. Let's talk about the United Kingdom. Do they have freedom of speech? No, they don't. All you have to do is look at Tommy Robinson because see, they have vectors too. Obviously they have the queen. So obviously they're not free. So I don't even know why would they would even think that they're free makes absolutely zero sense. How do you have a queen, but you're free? Makes absolutely zero sense. Canadians, the same thing. The queen's on your money. You may be independent-ish, but you still got the queen on your money, which means she owns you. You can't think that you're free, really, can you? I guess there's a degree and a spectrum of freedom, too. And the only nation on the planet that is on the side of freedom on the spectrum. Like if it was a scale, America would be sitting on the freedom scale and it would like be tipping it completely, right? And just right at the end of it. Well, that's the idea. It, it isn't like that. And we're going to talk about it today because that is exactly what we're fighting for. Gosh, it reminds me of 1860s right now. This is what I'm thinking about the 1860s when I think about that. So before we enter into talking about what's going on, what's happening, I want to make a, say this. Now, we're waiting for a press conference to come out of Italy. Now, yesterday, I tweeted out, ooh, we're going to have an Italian press conference, ooh, because I knew Pompeo was going. 
So, and he's going with press, which was announced last night, I think. So, who was in Italy? Who's the key? Who's that glue? Who's the guy that was interviewed and then disappeared? Ah, Miss Fudd. So we have misfit. Oh dear, this doesn't bode well for the EU and the Democrats, does it? So, we're waiting for that. Will it happen today? I think it'll happen. Later on today, I mean, maybe they'll have an evening press conference from Italy, which means it's like midday for us, or maybe they just run it at night late at night because they'll do it early in the morning in Italy. Nobody knows. But that's coming. Next thing is what we're going to talk about now is the talks about Brexit and what people have to say. I want you to listen to this clip. Is that the stepping up of no geo preparations has been good and the CBI, we've helped that and more businesses are prepared. But there is still a harsh reality here. It's impossible for business to be prepared for no deal. We have um, 200,000 small businesses who've only ever traded with the European Union. They are not ready. We know that. The Federation of Small Business has shown that as well. And then in terms of bigger businesses, the issue there is the thing that they need to do to prepare is to take action that is very bad for the UK economy. That is not ready. That is actually damaged to us. So, for example, moving supply chains uh, out of uh, the UK. We know that Sony, Panasonic, um, others have already moved their headquarters. So the idea that the UK can be ready for no deal is just a myth. But what about this idea that the CBI, the Federation of Small Businesses, British Chamber of Commerce, they're just part of this project fear? I mean, I spoke to Connor Burns in the last 24 hours. He said the CBI got it wrong over the ERM. They got it wrong over the euro. Why should they be right over Brexit? But you see, it's not. It, it, it is nonsense that it's project fear. This is fact coming through from the base of British business. Um, all, all, business all businesses saying more or less the same thing, that they are postponing investment. We've had five quarters out of the last six of declining business investment. Um, this message of we need a deal, we are urging compromise across all political parties is universal. That's not project fear. That is trying to find solutions. Hi, I'm Shavana Bursetti. Actually, that is Project Fear. That's telling you, if you don't cut a deal and give us Ireland and pay us money because you're leaving, then we're not investing. It's at that point that the UK could say, no, not happening, and show their two fingers. Did you know that waving your index finger and middle finger up and down, kind of like, you know, from, like, put your hand in a supinated position. Supinated means, like, like you're holding soup. And now I want you to take your thumb to touch your ring finger. And then you have, like, two fingers, like, kind of like the peace sign. Now kind of make them limp, like you're hooking something. And then bring it up, hook. And that movement in England uh, is considered, you know, F.U. And that was because that's they were showing the French, look, we got our two fingers, man. You ain't got us, you know, and that's what they should be doing right now. Like there should be a sea of people showing their fingers to the EU saying, look at us. We don't care. But instead, they're terrorizing them. And, and that's normal. That is Business as usual. That is what dictatorships, that is what monarchies, that is what they do when they want to confine your thought and set you in line to fall behind what they tell you is correct, how they should be dictating. And who is they? Hmm. That is actually a question in my next piece that is going on. Who is they? 
you know, age old question, who is they? Who is they? So this is a really important question I want you to think about. Who is they? You'll probably come up with a a load of names and just think, who is they? That's all you have to think about. Who is they? Now take a listen to Boris um, and what he had to say on the Brexit proposal. Turn our attention to the UK as because Britain says it will soon submit formal proposals for a new Brexit deal that would necessarily include some kind of customs checks on the island of Ireland. The government, however, says there won't be any physical infrastructure at the Irish border and that more details will be coming in a matter of days. Well, Prime Minister Boris Johnson told the BBC this morning that new plans would seek to remove the controversial Irish backstop from the EU withdrawal agreement. That's the part of the deal stating that the UK will remain in a customs union with the EU unless and until solutions are found to avoid a hard Irish border after Brexit. Well, for more on this, we can talk to our UK correspondent, Vincent McAvinney. He's in Manchester for us following the annual conference of Boris Johnson's Conservative Party. Uh, Vincent, good to see you there. Well, the media are certainly making uh, much of this as we are. Is this creating or causing a buzz amongst delegates there? Good afternoon, Tokes. Well, these proposals that are put forward in this paper are nothing official. The Prime Minister has been out this morning on the airwaves talking about them, but he won't go into detail because he's got his big speech here tomorrow in which he might present uh, the proposals that he's going to take to Brussels. So at the moment, it's all being downplayed here. He said the reality is there will need to be customs checks on the island of Ireland after the EU leaves. But his Northern Irish Secretary, who uh, he has got a bit of a difficult relationship with, Julian Smith, has said, I don't know where these papers have come from. Uh, I'm not, uh, we can't have customs facilities in the place and places mentioned in the reports. And he said five or ten miles from the border, that is an issue. I'm not clear on that. So some confusion here amongst uh, government members. The people attending this conference, the banners everywhere saying get Brexit done. That's the mantra they're repeating. Uh, but there are still no firm proposals on the situation in Northern Ireland, a part of the United Kingdom that uh, re- voted remain overwhelmingly. It's an incredibly complex issue, which many people just don't seem to grasp. It's over 300 miles long. There's over 200 crossing points, including waterways. This idea that you might pull back from the borders themselves and put installations in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, well, those would likely become targets too. So people here are a little bit confused about this idea about what the difference would really be. Vincent, in normal times, uh, a prime minister who's been beaten up, as Boris Johnson has been over the last few weeks, would be... Hold on. I just wanted to say, so they're not telling people like what's really going on. Um, they actually have signs across the border uh, between Southern and Northern Ireland that says respect the remain vote warning. If there's a hard border, this road may be closed from March 2019 and it's border communities against Brexit. I'm sorry. The vote already happened. And they're Brexiting. So I don't see what they are discussing or posting these on because they seem to think that they will be um, having another vote, which is really bizarre. Take a listen to how this conversation, you know, pulls out. And I, I'm playing Euronews, which is propaganda. But again, I've said it. If you actually pay attention and listen to um, what they say you can understand their play. And that's something uh, that they've been doing for a while. But 
it's always their truth hidden in a sea of lies that is based on real truth. And this is why you can't see it. Listen. Last few weeks would be out of a job, uh, perhaps, you know, holding his P45. Are delegates and people you've spoken to, their Conservative Party members, united behind uh, the Prime Minister right now? Well, there definitely is an atmosphere at this party that they've got the right man in the job, finally. Uh, you go to the gift shop, which is just over here. They're selling lots of Boris merchandise. Anytime he walks through the hall here, there's lots of people trying to grab a selfie with him. But there is some disquiet about the way that he has gone about his strategy in the past couple of weeks, the language he has used. Oh, dear. They're selling Boris Johnson T-shirts, and they like Boris Johnson, and they want selfies. Oh, my gosh. UK version of Trump? They've always asked him that. Look at the detest and the reporting. I think the real test will be his speech tomorrow afternoon to close this conference. Because don't forget, this is a man that they've wanted to be prime minister in parts of this party for many years. But he's lost every vote so far in Parliament. He's lost the majority they had. He's lost his brother from government. He's lost the leader in Scotland, Ruth Davidson, who's incredibly popular. So the strategy, they think, many people here say there's been wrong. But they still back Boris. But the real test will be that conference speech. Because Boris Johnson, normally, uh, he can do the bombast. He likes playing to a an audience that's friendly to him but his speeches in recent weeks going back to yorkshire that speech when the uh, in the front of the police officers that was a really strange speech he didn't really deliver it it was kind of all over the place as other public utterings recently have been very tricky so we'll see whether he can win over the party faithful because this is the party that he needs to get out on the doorstep rapidly they thought they'd be in a general election right now they hope they will be one in in one in a couple of weeks time and they think that he is their best weapon but he certainly is a controversial figure and he's entered this uh, conference in the last few days with more questions about his conduct over the past few years with women. And I think that might be something that could increasingly do him damage. But for now, they think he's their best hope. Okay, listening to this guy, and I'm actually watching him while he's talking. He's constantly frowning. He looks like a proper wanker. This guy hates Boris. He loathes the idea of Brexit. And this is, you know, uh, depicted in his speech, if you paid attention. Oh, he only likes, uh, you know, uh, putting out fiery speeches to people that, you know, are friendly to him. No one's friendly to him. When have you seen Boris sitting down across from someone, questioning him and being friendly to him? Unless he's sharing a pint with Farage or other people that support Brexit, nobody is friendly to him. So this is where the clues are. They're trying to suggest to you, see, you might have read that as, yeah, you know, um, it's hard going up against, you know, media that doesn't like you. No, the fact is he's not been up against media that likes him, period. Of course, everybody likes to be questioned by people they like them, that like them. That's human nature because there's a mutual respect, mutual agreement on topics, and it's a lot easier to converse, right? And it doesn't get heated or aggressive. Totally makes sense. But to sit there and say that, you know, he's got, you know, media that likes him and that's the only time that, you know, he is happy with it. It's just rubbish now i want you to listen to um this interview right here take a listen now for the view from ireland our reporter ken murray joins me now from county meath the birthplace of pierce brosnan uh, ken good to see you there 
Yeah, because the birthplace of Piers Bronson is monumental for Brexit. So let's just mention that. And while we've waited so long for news from the British government, is that causing excitement there in Ireland? Because after all, we've had Simon Coveney dismissing these ideas as a non-starter. That's right, uh, Takunbo. A very negative reaction in Ireland this morning to a proposal that the British government might construct uh, customs checkpoints 10 miles inside the Irish border and 10 miles north of the Irish border on the British side. Uh, Simon. Yeah, how dare he want to put customs border between the EU and the UK? How dare he propose that? He should just hand over Ireland to the EU, period. Coveney said this morning, uh, no border, no paper, meaning that without a proper proposal, this idea that was floated yesterday is simply not going to happen. The leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald, was out early this morning and completely dismissed this idea. The idea that gathering a bit of currency on the radio, this uh, the British government engaging in some sort of a trick by issuing this uh, document to RTE, the state broadcaster here, to fly a kite, in other words, to test public reaction. If the political reaction was anyway optimistic or positive, they might say, yes, we could run with this. But the reaction has been so negative. Julian Smith, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, has effectively said it's not going to happen. So what he's saying is we don't want borders and we just want to remain. So now they're holding Ireland hostage. And the question is, is this going to work? Because if they hold Ireland hostage, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be a fortune teller, right? You're going to be hearing from the IRA. They're not into that. And I don't know why the Irish south of Ireland are so upset. I know why they're upset, because of the money, right? We've got all these huge, you know, Silicon Valley companies there. Of course, you're going to want to keep them there. Of course, you want to maintain it. Listen to what he says. Now, any plan to, if you like, impose customs points, which disappeared in 1993 under the Maastricht Treaty, the whole creation of the European Central um, you know, has created a, a fear that there might be a possible return to violence. I've been to Northern Ireland in the last few days, and I've spoken to a number of people who have expressed their concerns that any hard border just might bring about a possible return to terrorism. Scenes like this scarred Northern Ireland where over 3,500 people were killed between 1969 and 1994. When power sharing was finally agreed, everybody hoped that the bad old days of terror were finally over. Eugene Reevy's three brothers were killed by British loyalists in 1976. He's from South Armagh, and for now, fears of a return to violence in Northern Ireland in a no-deal scenario are for the moment speculation. Well, I'm hearing that mainstream republicanism, the old provisional IRA, will not be going back to war. But we have the dissidents on other groups who feed off these spectaculars, and there is no doubt that they will attack any type of installation along that border. Despite the recent killing of journalist Lyra McKee by dissident Irish Republicans, one seasoned observer of the war in Northern Ireland believes that any return to violence is highly unlikely. I think the feelings and the sentiments are so strong on both sides of the border 
that we're not necessarily having to uh, anticipate the behavior of dissident Republicans or any shades of Republicanism. Observers in the British Protestant community believe any return to violence is likely to be disorganized and sporadic. Ah, they're getting ahead of what I told you, and I think I mentioned the IRA two weeks ago. Here's where they had the provisional IRA guy talking. Oh, don't worry, there won't be violence. Don't worry, it's going to be totally fine. Don't worry, when everybody finds out that the EU wants all of Ireland and we're saying no, we'd prefer to put a border if you can't stop. The voice of those that rule others. You have to remember that. This was the IRA playing their tune. And I think that the show is disconnected for a sec. Right up to the break. So... We'll continue with a little bit of Brexit and get into the nitty-gritty of our side of things. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I am your host, Tori, and I think we were having interruptions when we were getting into the IRA, so I just want to replay that clip so you guys hear uh, the um, provisional IRA and what they said. Um, this is demonstrating to you how the mainstream media, well, how they, and we'll get to they um, later on in the show, get ahead of things. Take a listen. I think the feelings and the sentiments are so strong on both sides of the border that we're not necessarily having to uh, anticipate the behavior of dissident Republicans or any shades of Republicanism. Observers in the British Protestant community believe any return to violence is likely to be disorganized and sporadic. Dissident Republicans are um, keen to seize on any opportunity to, um, to justify violence, anything that might have any wider support within the community, maybe attacking any sort of infrastructure at the border. On the streets of Belfast, there is optimism that Northern Ireland's darkest days are behind it. I would say certainly a hard border is on the line, and that's coming through in the last days, couple of days' news. I remember the days of you know, the 70s and 80s and whatever, and you wouldn't want to go back there, would you? I'm concerned about the, the Ireland and Northern Ireland with a uh, hard border coming on, and I hope to God there's no armed struggle or, or any troubles coming back. So as you can see, there's a... I just wanted to say there are going to be hard struggles and hard uh, things coming back because when the Irish find out that they're simply a pawn and that they are uh, being used as a way to bully the United Kingdom to maintain and remain in the EU, they don't like it. Remember, the Irish don't like it. Bottom line is it could be that Northern Ireland wants to leave so we could just let them go and they can find their destruction and, and that should be fine too. We should let them decide. I mean, if I was, uh, you know, Boris Johnson, I would have been like, yo, here's the deal. We can't leave unless you remain. So, you know, that's what they're doing. They're trying to hijack your nation. If you're good with that, then you should go ahead and become Europeans. But don't come crying to mommy later. Well, they will because it's fruitful. But, you know, Facebook, Twitter, eBay, they all got, you know, their headquarters there because they got to move. They're going to be privatized social media companies that are going to go belly up, and we're going to talk about that too today because it's all about who they are. Now, to finish this, I just want to 
kind of show you how change is in the wind and how Marc Francois is suggesting that he could back the new Brexit deal. Take a listen. Uh, we're joined now by Marc Francois MP to discuss how conference is going for him. Marc, uh, you've seen how it's going. You've seen get Brexit done everywhere and blazoned everywhere. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's going to chime very well with yourself. How confident are you that we'll get Brexit done one way or another by October 31st? I'm hopeful. I'd say the odds are 50-50 or better now. Um, the rumour is number 10 have got something up their sleeve with regard to the Ben Act. If they do, I'm not in on it. I just hope they do. And and I think that's important because overwhelmingly the public now want to get out. We had uh, two local government by-elections in my constituency last Thursday, both against the Libs. We beat them on both, delighted about that. On the doorsteps, the overwhelming message from my constituents to me was, get us out. We've had enough after three years. We just want to leave. Okay, so what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. See, um, right now, Johnson is sitting down and working, um, has actually given the plan to the Queen. Queen Elizabeth has his plan. This was actually reported about a few minutes ago, maybe 40 minutes ago, on European press. So they're discussing this now, um, that the Queen is taking a look at it. Uh, and what she's taking a look at is um, what's going on over here. So like I told you, the Democrats made one huge mistake. They pushed up the timeline. And that's fine. That is totally fine. Because nobody can say that we helped Boris Johnson get out of the EU because it's the Democrats' fault. They fell right into the trap. And the minute they hit that trap, where did we go? Visibly, we're in Europe. Visibly, we are talking ongoing criminal investigation. Visibly, they're on fire. Completely on fire. And you know what's funny? I saw someone that mentioned um, that <clears throat> Brennan had traveled to the Ukraine on a fake passport. Who else did you remember they found a fake passport for? Wait, it was a Saudi passport. See, I never call Brennan, John Brennan. His name is Owen. And, you know, if people want to find this passport because they know it's a passport, all they need to look is for Owen. Owen. Not a very common name, kind of common for Brits, but not a very common name that would enter the UK. Uh, the Ukraine, not the UK. But usually from the UK, you, you hear a lot of Owens. Take that as you will. So enough said on that. Enough said on that. So they're all getting in a lot of trouble. They all are in uh, really hot water right now, and it's escalating. I mean, we've got, you know, all of them right now discussing with uh, legal counsel, uh, the Department of Justice in Italy, their intelligence community. Guys, this is so great, and we have so much to talk about that's going on here. Um, but before we do... I want to play a clip from Shaftes, who explains, well, you know, before we get into our side of things, wait, I want to remind you, in November, I had talked to you about my general, General Flynn. I had told you that everything will be dropped. It won't be, oh, he's cleared. It's going to be dropped. They'll even pay him restitution, back pay, the whole nine yards. And I want to tell you how this plan happened. So aside from the fact that he uh, is, uh, you know, was caught between a rock and a hard place, 
right? You need to understand how smart people work. And you're going to be like, well, what do you mean? I I think I do. Well, I'm just going to point it out to you because you do know, but you missed it. How's that? Because no one reported on this. And this is something that I should report at some point, but I don't want to because it's not something that's done yet. So we'll do that later. How's that? I want to direct you to uh, President Trump's transition team. And before we enter there, I want you to think. Think to yourself. What if you were President Trump? And you knew you had a huge army behind you, an army that was cloaked in, a, you know, a mask of average citizen. OK. And you knew you had this invisible army because that invisible army was the one that turned up to every single one of your rallies and keeps turning up. So what would you do? To make sure that when you pull the weeds out of Washington, D.C., you get the route to. What would you do? What would be your game plan? Just rip them out, make their heads roll, have them walk the, you know, the walk of shame with people ringing bells, screaming shame, shame. No, you wouldn't. You have to make sure you get every single one of them. So what you do is you go and hire and place people that you know can lead you to other people. So, for example, if I want to find out who's, I don't know, talking smack about me, right? I'm going to find a link. So I'm going to find, I don't know, if I was President Trump and I'm like, yo, my CIA, my DOJ, my FBI is totally riddled with garbage, I need to find someone that's corrupt but and very well connected and would seek out to those above them so they can show me their head of their cartel, right, and who they go to for advice to I need to hire them to do good work for me, very good work for me. And and, and the way I'm going to hire them is by um, pretty much pointing out the necessity of having them by my side and applauding them for the work they did because they assume that when they held positions like as, as assistant U.S. attorneys or deputy attorney generals or part of the a national security division council or civil rights advocates or you know, general counsel of the treasury. I think I wrote an article about that on Tori says.com. I think you guys should revisit that. Um, so I would get someone that has aided in every single corrupt antic the left has done under the Bush administration, Clinton administration's Obama administration and place them somewhere. No one would believe. And because that person is supposedly so corrupt, but so incognito because that person never came to the forefront saying, I did this. You know, they're one of those covert people. No one will ever guess. And that's the person that's going to bury them. That's what you do. You take that weak link, you give it, and you, 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 you're, you become oblivious. You know, I've had friends in my personal life slash work say, why are you working with that person? They've done this, this, this. They don't align. And it's like, because I need to weed out this, this, and this. And they're the ones that are going to do it. I mean, it's not like I'm going to find the secret hideout or I'm going to find the treehouse that they meet in or I'm going to find paperwork if I just use good guys. You got to use them. Because here's the thing about corrupt people. They're very cocky. 
and they think you can't see them because they're that important, supposedly. And they take it as a mission. Hey, look, kingpin leader, I'm in here. Now I'm important to you. Help me. And they feel this importance because they climbed the ladder. So in the Flynn investigation, we have a U.S. attorney for the, for Washington DC that was appointed by President Donald J. Trump himself. Appointed by himself who are refusing to provide the evidence they are compelled and have to provide. This means that this person, after being appointed by President Trump, okay, not only continued the nefarious work, right, but didn't report it. See, when you take a new job, right, say, you know, I have this, uh, you know, warehouse and all my employees are packaging, you know, cookies in there. You're supposed to have 24, but I only get 22 because they're eating too, right? They're stealing from me. And so you become manager and you notice that we're selling 24 cookies, but there's really 22 and they're being, you know, they're, the company's being robbed and you say nothing. You've, you're part of that. You own that. So when this person came in to become district attorney and obviously is taking lead on the general film case now, right, since 2017, appointed by Trump, they knew that what they had was wrong. They knew that they concealed evidence that was exculpatory. They knew it and they continued. And we let them continue. That's the thing. And I've said it before. This is why I advertise for people to help General Flynn support his family because the one thing these corrupt idiots do is that they bury you in lawsuits. They bankrupt you because then you have nothing. And not only do you have nothing, they've blacklisted you and created an army of trolls to call you everything under the sun. So again, always support him, but be patient. General Flynn knows that. We all know that. And we have to trust that this plan is happening. Because, you know, U.S. District Attorney Lou has just dug her grave. She is the person that sat under, um, George Bush in 2006, 2009 as, um, uh, deputy chief of um, staff for the National Security Division, deputy AG, um, deputy assistant attorney general for civil rights. And she actually worked for the transition team. <laughs> Leaker anyone? So this is what you need to do. You need to have your enemies close because then they think they're winning. And yes, sometimes, let's be honest, even though you have your enemies close, you might slip up and they might get something that you don't want them to have. But if there's a plan in place, since I don't know, like stuff that happened in the 90s, like I don't know, planes go missing or no explosions, but no bodies, you know, stuff like that. So when something happens and then there's like this concerted effort to work together and get this invisible army together, do you think that anything that they get was never intended? Pretty much no, but I can tell you no matter how watertight something is, ah, there's always going to be that weak link in the bonds that are holding it together that may drip. Okay. So let's, let's be honest and, you know, have integrity in what we're saying that there is always the possibility that we slip up, that we lose some key vital position. So in general Flynn, the whole point of this was to 
exhume all the nastiness in the district courts and the courts of appeals in Washington, D.C. The Supreme Court comes later, okay? So, again, this is how you deal with it. You bring them close and you hang them because this woman took lead and she knew she was taking lead, breaking the law. So she purposely did it. I mean, 302s, what are those, right? Yeah, we're going to get to that. So that is the point. And General Flynn has is a man of sacrifice. I mean, all of us that ever took that oath are always going to be sacrificing for our nation. Those of us that took it seriously. Those of us that committed our lives to saying, you know, I take an oath to this nation because it represents something nowhere on the planet represents. And that is embodiment of the innate rights of every human being on this planet, which is the right to freedom, to be themselves, to be able to express themselves. And that should never, ever be in the shadow of a organized government. And we will be talking all about that starting now. But before we do, I want us to listen to Jason and how, you know, the media talked about impeachment since 2016. It's very important why they did, too. Take a listen. He's convicted. That could be seen as an impeachable offense. If he's not a legitimately elected president in your mind, there are tools that Congress has. But I think we're in impeachment territory now really? for the first time. In your view, does that rise to the level of an impeachable offense? Whatever the White House thought it was doing to defend itself or to head off this impeachment I mean, is doing quite the opposite. Impeachment. 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 They've been talking impeachment for a while. Let's bring in Jason Chaffetz, former chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, Fox News contributor and author of a brand new book. It's called Power Grab, The Liberal Scheme to Undermine Trump. The GOP and our republic. Uh, Jason, you know, they've been talking impeachment. Nancy Pelosi's been talking inquiry. So why haven't they had a vote? You know, the vote is very important. Nancy Pelosi goes and stands before the world and says it's a formal impeachment yeah. inquiry. But then she doesn't have a vote. Why not? A, it's failed three times before. But more importantly, if they did have a vote, then the minority would get some rights. They would have subpoena authority. Nancy Pelosi does not want uh, Doug Collins, the, the minority member, the, the ranking member on House Judiciary, to also be able to defend and to have subpoena authority. So right now it's just lopsided. It's, all it's lopsided. So they want to issue subpoenas. They want to do all this. But they don't want to give the minority the right to so actually he, do the same thing. And if, that's why she refuses to do that. If he were able to do that, or when he's able to do that, who will he be subpoenaing? Oh, there's a whole host of people. I mean, Hunter Biden should be brought in right away. You can start to go through a whole list of things. Let's go find out and do some investigation. It's time for Republicans to play offense. You know, Republicans are used to apologizing and trying to justify. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, they're always playing offense. But Nancy Pelosi knows that she's got to withhold that ability of the, the Republicans to actually do what they should be able to do, which is to create the other side of the case. I mean, right away, they were talking about impeachment almost immediately after, but nothing would rise to that level. Why do you think this Ukrainian conversation, everyone seemed to be in sync from certain media outlets to the Speaker of the House before the call was even released, before the nine-page complaint was out? 
It's a little too convenient that they had this perfectly drafted document. You had a speaker who now, oops, said on 60 Minutes that she had a preview of it. You had Adam Schiff saying that he knew the identity of the whistleblower, but Devin Nunes didn't. It seems a little too too scripted and too right. convenient because you do have the Inspector General Horowitz and you also have Durham who are coming out. Right. I, I think it's... Uh, before we finish what he says, where's Feinstein? I mean, she got a preview because of Feinstein. Adam Schiff knows a whistleblower because he put the whistleblower supposedly, you know, they sourced who's going to be the whistleblower. Let's pick this person. You're a good boy. You're da, 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 da. Hey, we've got someone that'll help you craft this. His name is Daniel Jones. Come here. He's crafted all this stuff. He will take care of you. He knows everything that has to do with the CIA. He will cover our butts. Ultimately, don't worry about it at all and that is exactly what happened uh this is why they slip see that's the thing about corrupt people we always think that they are reinventing their corruptions and today i'm going to demonstrate to you how corrupt governments from the beginning of recorded time have had the same template and this is no different. And any other spin-off templates, you know, like the impeachment way, is just a template, um, a, a, a spin-off, exactly that, to accommodate the initial template. But let's see what else Jason has to tell us here, um, which is pretty interesting. How scripted it was, how perfectly crafted it was. Of course, Dan Jones is the boss when it comes to crafting things like this. The sentences used were identical to that of his CIA torture report. Counter narrative about the investigation of Donald Trump, but this they hope, pun intended, trumps that. Well, look, if if Adam Schiff really had the goods on the president, then he would have led with that. Instead, he, instead he had to embellish with the president right. and said lie about it. And by the way, the House should stand up for itself. Kevin McCarthy should call and demand. They should have taken his words down in that committee. You cannot disparage the president. You can't address the president. There are House rules that they should go after this guy, and he should be censured, Schiff should, uh, by the House of Representatives. What guy? Well... Chef, when he goes, when, when he was, he did the parody. He did the parody embellish. The he lied about what the president said. No. I don't know that it's treason, but I tell you what, it is in violation of the House rules. They should have called it out, and the minority should do that. What they should force these votes. Pass on that. That's unbelievable. He was reading from a paper as if it was dialogue. This was highly scripted. It was not some impromptu right. thing. He did it on purpose because the evidence isn't there. The evidence is not good enough. That's why they have to go Jason, out. What happens next? Nancy Pelosi, when's the vote going to happen? Well, it's of such urgent national concern that they had to go on recess for two weeks so the Democrats can go do the polling to try to figure out, you know, yeah, let's figure out where we're going to go it's next. It's 50-50 whether yeah. the people want it or not. Yeah. I don't think it's so. It's really interesting the way you explain why they did not take a vote and now yeah. it makes perfect sense. It does. Check out his new book. So basically what he said was, um, they're not going to take a vote on impeachment because, um, you know, it, it's the ground's not ready yet. Well, they could just watch Millie Weaver's videos where she literally went to really dumb people, people that, you know, don't even know what's going on, but kind of know. And even if they didn't know and they kind of know and they only know what the mainstream media is telling them are still like, man, uh, why don't we just let the election show for themselves? No, because in 
impeach this, just like he tweeted. How are you going to impeach someone who is going to make sure that the elections are done correctly and show an overwhelming vote? This time, there won't be illegal voting. This time, there won't be double voting. This time, there won't be mail-in ballots that come in three weeks later. This time, it's going to be a real actual vote. And that red map of the United States will be glowing from space. You could probably see it from the Andromeda galaxy. That is how red it is going to be. And they know it. And this is why they're doing it. Because even the Democrats themselves, the liberals, the insane ones that believe in communism, sit and say, well, I, I, I don't see the reason of doing it. I mean, it's just one more year. It's not like, what kind of damage can he do? In honesty, he could do a lot of damage if he wanted to. But can you name one thing he damaged? I mean, he diffused the North Korea situation. We're not going to war. We have a lot of jobs. He ta- he cut taxes. He's trying to get things done, but all we're worried about is how are we going to remove him now that he was elected? And that started from the day he was elected president. From the day that that dude Matto was crying on screen. From the day that CNN was sitting there like, um, he won that state too. That... That is what's happening, you guys. They know what's coming. This is why they want impeachment. They haven't convinced the public to do it. And now they really don't care. They're calling for absolute censorship, not just of you or I, you know, (laughs) of the president himself. So we're going to get into censorship. Censorship is a big key. This next hour, I will walk you through my thought process and this piece that I put together that will educate people on how fearful the Democrats are for the 117th Congress that's coming. Because mainstream media is the censorship vector of Nazis, dictators, and obviously the Democrats. That is the only thing they had. And you know what? It's not new. This has been around since there have been civilizations. This has been around forever, ever, ever. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to demonstrate it to you so you are fully aware. Because I want my listeners to know this is the weapon they're using. You'd like to know, am I up against an AK-47, a spear, BB gun, or nerfs? That's what you need to know so you can have a shield. So today, I'm going to tell you the bullets that they're using against us and how strong they are, but yet how weak when we have our shields. I'll see you all in just a bit after this break. Real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So what we're going to be talking about now is I'm going to demonstrate to you uh, a very ancient tool and it's a very effective tool. And this is the, um, this is pretty much the article that I'm going to be publishing later on today, uh, through loomer.com. And, um, I, 
urge you, if you have friends that want to hear about things or they're on the fence, share this feed um, if it's online. If you're somewhere and you're listening to me on your AM or FM, you know, text your friend to turn on the radio. This is going to be one of the most important and enlightening things uh, people will hear today, I think. Um, and it's not because I'm saying it. This is stuff that has been said for thousands of years. And, you know, there's always this need for transparency, right, guys? We want transparency. We want things to happen. And it's never happened, per se. It's never happened. And that is because in transparency, you give an ultimatum, right? When you're transparent with your uh, demands. So, for example, uh, <laughs> how's, how's this? I'm going to give you an example. Kind of like, okay. When you want something done and you're telling them there is no other option for me, this is how it's going to be done. At that point, you give the other person the ultimatum. They either comply or they deny, period, right? So, you know, I was once, uh, just the summer, there was a little fair thing going on and um, there was a wristband that little kids have to wear, you know, to go on rides. And it was too tight on my kid's hand. And I paid $70 for that. And I was like, listen, you need to like take it off and redo it. Yeah, we don't um, do that because, and I was like, listen, I really don't care. Here's the bottom line. You can sit here and well, I can pretend to listen to you and understand why you're not going to remove this wristband and reapply it with some room so it doesn't, you know, cut off the blood circulation or cause my kid to itch while they sleep because they can't take it off because you're worried that, you know, your carnival rides will be hacked. I don't care. We can sit here and pretend this is what's going to happen. I paid $70. You didn't do your job right. It is adversely affecting my child. You're either going to fix it or you're not. Tell me what you're willing to do and I'll take it to the next step, right? That's the way it is. Ultimatum. Yes or no. Governments are the same the same way. Do we go to war or do we not? There's no gray area, right? When they put the, t- the, 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 the question on the table. But when was the last time you ever had transparency? Like the transparency we're seeing for the, from the Trump administration? Never. And this is actually embodied by the way they were responding to the news coming out of crimes. So we're going to play that before we start from, uh, 433 before Christ, where we're going to start the journey of understanding this weapon. Uh, because this is important for you guys to hear. Rudy Giuliani, like I've told you, is the president's private attorney. Yes, he's the president, but he also is a private person. If you're a president of a company, anything you do relating to the company, the company's counsel follows you through. If you're divorcing your wife or, you know, um, you know, pursuing someone because they backed up into your car, that's your personal attorney. So let's get that straight. I've said this for weeks now. Giuliani is President Trump's personal Attorney. And the funny thing is that Democrats want to subpoena him, but he doesn't have to tell him diddly squat because he's not representing the president. <laughs> he's representing his client. So this is kind of like the Democrats are like, yeah, you're going to come here and you're going to tell us, okay, it's attorney client privilege. It's attorney client privilege. I'm sorry. That breaches attorney client privilege. <laughs> so this is where we're going to be at. This is just hilarious. How hilarious, how hilarious it is. But I want you to just listen to what Giuliani had to say with Hannity quickly. 
political article, please. The problems for, for Joe Biden uh, are serious here. And especially, look at the Politico 2017. I have the copy right here. This is, if you look at it, I got it right here somewhere. It is July, uh, I'm sorry, January 11th, and it is in 2017. Let me go back and read from this particular article because this gets to the heart of everything that the Democrats are doing and what they've done wrong and what they're going to continue. Look at that. Ukrainian government officials try to help Hillary Clinton undermine Trump and publicly questioning his fitness for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested that they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. They helped Clinton's allies research damaging information on Trump and his advisors. Well, and it continues to mount for sleepy, creepy Uncle Joe. Rudy Giuliani is with us, former New York City mayor. Um, I actually would like to see you go and, and take on Congress <laughs> because I believe Jay Sekulow, oh, your partner, I, I, is I correct. Don't, I don't have any experience in a courtroom. Been, no. You know, and I get nervous public speaking. And these people are such intellectual heavyweights. I don't know if I can hand, handle Okay, let me tell you something about these intellectual heavyweights. I told you guys over a year ago that Hillary Clinton, we haven't seen the last of her. We all know Kamala Harris and Cory Booker are done and toast with Jussie Smollett. Elizabeth Warren couldn't even battle out in Massachusetts. I told you that HRC is going to be coming so that they're slotting her in. And you're finding, you're going to see these other candidates coming up with, like, support for her. Oh, Hillary Clinton was such a good person. Hillary Clinton was such this. It's like, are you running or is she running? Yeah, she's running. And what they're eyeing on is, hey, I didn't make president, but can I make vice president? Because as long as you run, they can't touch me. So, hey. And we still have people in place. So, hey, not for long. It's Halloween. And you evil people, it's, you know what the, what the, what the blessing is here? Look, on Hallowed Eve, the, the, the Brits get to exit one of the biggest shams created on the planet on the heels of the Nazi fall. Okay, this is when they created it. They just continued Hitler's plan again with the Germans at the forefront, which is even more bizarre, you know, voluntarily. So now, you know, on Hallowed Eve, not only is that going to happen, but we're going to take you down, too. And we've just gutted them and they helped on the timeline. And now it's only going to be boom, 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 boom. All the time. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, why did it take Trump to stop North Korea? Why did it take Trump to stop ISIS? It didn't take Trump to do anything as a leader and as a president because the other ones didn't. It took Trump to be our voice. It took that man from the amazing life that he had to stand up for all of us, to make us love our nation, love ourselves again, just like it was for a split moment when that Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. It was at that point when that was signed that that other 50% of remain under the crown had their plan in action. And the President Trump of the 1800s was none other than Abraham Lincoln. And of the 1900s was none other than JFK. And look at their demise. But this time, the army has grown. And this information warfare that they want to use against us is backfiring. Because this is the age of information. And the only time that you have ignorance against these, as he said, intellectual minds, 
is by choice. But look at this, Andrew July Schiff. 11, uh, January 11, while he was still a president-elect, Ukraine admitted they were doing election interference in this country. The president, in this call, asked them to help get to the bottom of what the media and the Democrats said they wanted. They're not doing it. Um, Sean, you just laid out uh, the reason why I was investigating and the reason why the president of the United States had an obligation to ask the president of Ukraine to follow up on these allegations. Because there is substantial, and I, I don't want to exaggerate it, but pretty close to overwhelming evidence, including a finding by a Ukrainian court that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats cooperated with Ukrainians with the order coming directly from the White House in January of 2017 to dig up dirt on her political opponent. And they did. The Vogel and whoever that other person's story was in Politico, I bet Politico regrets uh, printing that, actually, because now they're doing everything they can. To, but in fact, they laid out the reasons why. If I didn't investigate it, I'd be guilty of malpractice. You know, they, they seem to forget that I'm a, a lawyer. If I were defending a terrorist, they'd be going crazy that I was called before a Senate committee. All those civil liberties groups would be saying, right to counsel. How can they intimidate a lawyer in his fearless pursuit of trying to find justice? I was not involved in any election, anything. This started two years before the election. It started and ended pretty much before the Mueller probe was over. I was still gathering evidence to prove his innocence. And all of a sudden I realized that there was a frame up, a deliberate one at the highest levels of our government, and then a colossal pay-for-play scheme at the highest levels of the Obama administration, eerily similar to the Clinton Foundation, completely corrupt behavior in which the Clintons sold her office of Secretary of State for millions. In this case, the Biden sold his office for millions. Is there anybody that believes that Ukraine or China were paying for Hunter Biden's expertise? Or do you have the common sense to realize they were buying Joe Biden's office? Okay, so what he's saying is exactly what we've been saying on this radio show for weeks, right? Giuliani is his attorney. He, it's his job to be involved. It is his job to ensure that our president is, his innocence is proven. It is his job to do that. So why would they say different? Remember how I told you that the mainstream media is propaganda. I mean, everybody says it, right? Fake news, propaganda. I'm going to demonstrate to you throughout history how um, my first opening statement in this show at the beginning of the first hour was talking about vectors. And you're now you're going to understand the vessel of, 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 of the tools that corruption uses. The vessel is important. They get ahead of what's to come. Like you're going to start seeing people coming out and saying things like, oh, the, the Republicans are going to fix the 2020 election. It's because they're scared of the 117 uh, Congress that is coming on. 117 House is going to bring down the whole swamp. That is going to be the finishing. You know how when you used to play you know, those games, the tech game, finish him. That'll be the finish him round, uh, where you like kind of pick him up with Ryu and slam his head down on the floor. That is going to be the finishing round with, uh, 117 house. 
116 is really scared, and they should. Because 117's coming right up. And it is coming up at the ballots. And they're going to start saying, well, they're going to fix the elections. How are they going to fix it? It's going to be paper. There's going to be no illegal immigrants. You're going to see hundreds of millions of votes for Trump. And absolutely zero for Hillary. <laughs> it's going to be joyous. So let me, let me tell you something. Um, let me, let me, let me explain to you how this all works. Okay, because that's the understanding. In in two, it's 2019, right? Almost 220. We have a planet that has more water than land, but whatever. Aside from that, on this planet there are self-declared communist nations. Specifically, the most popularly known is China. It's actually um, communist, and the people that live there know it's a communist nation, and they are okay with it. Some people will say, well, you know, little Lucy that was born yesterday is not okay with it. Well, then when she's an adult, she can leave. Um, because that's the thing. You don't like the communist nation? Psh- leave Uh, unless you know the nation decides to bar you from leaving then you have no choice and that's like ultimate communism but aside from china and another you know handful of nations that clearly state that they're communist nations people around the planet right now actually believe they're free they believe that they are free to express their thoughts with art with words and music in actuality, this is false. Every single nation on this planet, except the United States, is under the illusion they have the foundation to be free. Our First Amendment, that that we call freedom of speech, is protected by the Second Amendment. Thus, in actual fact, we are indeed the only nation that actually affords citizens the right to free speech and that is in the great united states of america and that's because we have the second amendment first one was first for a reason the second one was there to protect the first now if you think for some reason that people of the united kingdom or canada have free speech i'd just like to you know guide you to visit you know media reporting on the tommy robinson case and take a look at it i mean as one of the most recent example or the justin trudeau you know when have we seen a picture of him not in blackface but anybody else doing it is racist except for him this is where people need to pay attention the illusion of freedom and actual freedom now having said that We are not free today. You and I have a nation that fosters and facilitates freedom, but for some reason, we aren't. And that's not because of the law. That is because of the power that we have provided to people that wish to abolish that freedom that we have. And this is why they are so enraged and adamant to take our weapons down because they know they cannot silence free speech. I mean, the same ones that are trying to take away your freedoms are telling you that they are fighting for them. It is so confusing. Citizens of this nation have been complaining for the past three years that their speech is being suppressed and that they're being censored and they're really not wrong. Because it's been in the past three years, four, I would say, that censorship has had an uptick unapologetically. Social media banning is unapologetic, biased. Uh, There's even a court. (coughs) Excuse me. There's even, uh, you know, court 
uh, proceedings that we have in the pipeline. Because here's the thing. How can we determine that social media is impeding on the First Amendment? By going to court. You know, because what needs to be determined there is not the fact that there was censorship, because the censorship is the, I would say, the product of the state of these social media companies. What needs to be determined in the courts is if a social media platform is considered a public square. If it is, then this is censorship and it's a violation of the First Amendment. If it is not deemed a public square, then social media companies will have to start charging. Because the only way that they have the right to be a publisher, like Facebook admitted during Laura Loomer's case, and I've said this years ago, I even told Laura this, you are going to, you know, set the path. You are bringing us to that fork in the road where our judicial system will have to decide if it will unapologetically back dictatorship or unapologetically back the Constitution, the way it was intended to be applied. She will do this because this is what needs to be determined. Is the social media platform considered a public square? If it is, it is covered by the First Amendment and they cannot censor. If it is not, then they have to pay restitution for all those people they banned and thereafter start charging. You know, when that happens, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, they'll all tank. Because why would I pay someone to put videos up, you know, and then why would I pay to watch videos that I could probably watch somewhere else for free? I'm not going to pay you. I'm not dumb. That's what happens. I mean, this is why we had, you know, Shazam and, you know, seeding files in the in the late 90s and early thousands. Right. Because people don't want to pay for information. They want it to be free. <laughs> so. Here's where Laura Loomer's lawsuit will literally go down in history. And, you know, I said it before, and a lot of people say, oh, well, she's doesn't matter what you think. I'm telling you, this woman will go down in history because she will be her case will be the deciding factor. Is Facebook and Twitter and all of those a public square or are they private companies? If they're private companies, they can be publishers, but they have to have customers. And according to the law in the United States, to be a customer, you have to be paying money. So since you didn't charge anyone for having Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube, you owe her and everybody else you ban money. Now, if it's a public square, then you need to unban everybody and just let it go. Now, if you don't let it go and you don't unban everyone, guess what? Your access to free voluntary data contribution that you've been abusing all this time will be limited. Think about it. Are you going to be using Gab to chit chat and talk where they don't hold your data or sell it? Or are you going to go to Facebook? Pay them to have your profile. Pay them to make money off of your information. Pay them to have rights to what you publish. Of course not. This is happening. Because in the meantime, through censorship, though, you know, as we see, censorship has been ramping up in the name of feelings and hate speech, both of which are personal determining factors. It's being purported as a correct way to go as gospel by mass agreement. So who are these, who are they that decide what is hate speech and what, you know, feelings you're not supposed to break, what you're supposed to say, how you're supposed to be? Who are they? 
while many on the left applaud the censorship, okay? And they find it acceptable because the sort, the censorship they're seeing going forward is applied to people and statements and things they personally do not like. They fail to realize that they are applaud, they are applauding exactly what they purport to be against Nazis and dictatorship. Because the only way that Hitler came to power was with censorship. Now, I tweeted this out, but Euripides, um, you know, a Greek, ancient Greek philosopher had said, this is true liberty when free born men having to advise the public may speak free, which he who can and will deserves high praise, who neither can or will may hold his peace. What can be juster in a state than this? That is uh, you know, a, a translation that I found that is misspelled, of course. Um, <laughs> I should have just translated it myself from ancient Greek because I can speak and write that too. Ancient Greek, modern Greek, and uh, what it's called Catharevison Greek. Uh, all the dialects, even Cypriot, which is a dialect, not Greek itself. Anyway, that speaks volumes because censorship, believe it or not, was brought forth by none other than the Greeks and the Romans. You really like, wait a minute, but they founded this whole, you know, d- right to free speech, the Agora speeches where people would stand in the square and just say what they want and criticize. Yeah, they did. Up until they got really big and became empires. And that's what happened and this is why they went tits up. But the 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 question that you should be asking you is how long has this been going on? Censorship has been going on for forever. The transparency, though, on censorship has created waves and changed. So censorship, and just like the Chinese say, the Chinese literally say that censorship is important in order to um, regulate uh, political life and ensure moral and political balance of the people who are being ruled. This is what China says. I mean, since their inception, eons ago, and even today, censorship is considered a bona fide tool to regulate and ensure moral and political life of the people who are being ruled. The people that are ruling you, President Xi and the rest of them, know what's good for you. That's basically what they're telling you. You are under our command, and if we say this is this, then this is that. And people will be like, well, that's rubbish. Well, you have to understand yin and yang. Censorship is the yin to freedom's yang. Censorship is literally the shadow your body casts, your free body casts on the ground, and it will follow you around. And as long as there's light, there is light, you can see the shadow on the floor. And that shadow is censorship. It is legit. The dark shadow that is cast by the embodiment of every free man, woman, or child. And it follows free people just like a shadow. It's not a new tool. It's been around since the beginning of recorded history. And that's another thing. Recorded history. What will remain is what we have as evidence, books, drawings, uh, recordings, video. So if, you know, Comey's writing books, Hillary's writing books, Kamala Harris is writing books, everybody and their mother is writing books. They are literally writing history. They are literally writing history for those hundreds of years from now as their version of history. 
I mean, who's to say all the books that conservatives write, all this war on censorship, this war on tyranny and dictatorship, if it was to fail, those books would be burned. And you say, no, book burning, yes. Amazon has already started book burning. They bow down to pressure against freedom of speech by not publishing and not selling certain books. That is indeed book burning in this day and age. So if we go back and we start from the beginning, we'll notice that censorship has always existed. It's not something new. But the thing is, censorship is a disease. It's a virus. It's a tool. It's like biowarfare. And like every disease and every virus, you need a vector. And that vector is the mainstream media. I'll see you all just after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the last half hour of this show. And we have gotten into the nitty-gritty of this. As I said in the beginning of this show, just like every disease or virus that harms our body, a vector is needed. A vector, by definition, is a vessel to transfer something. In the case of disease or infection, it is a vessel to transfer disease because the disease itself cannot propagate in a human body on its own. Viruses must infect a cell and propagate within the cell to further infect or harbor themselves within the cell, meet with another cell, and then further infect. Viruses in, by themselves can't survive. The same goes for censorship. Those that believe um, that they should be ruling us are nothing. And they cannot survive unless we are constantly infected by advertisements, images, sounds, and in generally, you know, all sensory input attack. Remember what I said yesterday about sensory input. If you want to think of a problem and find a solution, cover your ears, cover your eyes, cover your nose, cover your mouth. Have no input. Even drench yourself in water, like submerge yourself in a bathtub and then think about the problem. You will have one trillion solutions because you will not be exposed to the smell of your bath salts. You won't be exposed to the sound of, you know, your air conditioner, a car going by, your dog barking, your cat meowing, you know, someone shuffling their feet. It'll be completely quiet. And you won't see because it'll be complete darkness. So you won't be looking and staring at, you know, the candle on your, on your, um, on your, um, uh, you know, vanity. You won't be looking at the toilet paper thinking, should the paper be on the upside or the downside? You know, you won't think, oh gosh darn it, did I clean right the last time? Did I get behind the toilet? You know, all those things are stimulations that we don't register because our brain is like, yeah, forget about it. Kind of like when you enter a place and it smells like death and then after five minutes you get used to it, right? You just get used to it. Because your brain is like, all right, we already know it smells. File that away. Don't pay attention to it anymore because we got to get stuff done. Censorship works only if you can get infected with the idea of it. Okay? Like I said, the notion itself of censorship dies in the darkness that it spawns from because it is incompatible with the heart and the mind of any free man, woman, or child. You cannot convince a free man that censorship is good. 
But you can bombard them with information that may, you know, like I said, they always grab you by that little corner and you're just like, oh, that bombardment. Censorship is not a new tool. And like I said, it's been around forever. And it's that shadow that is cast by the body of a free person. Now, when China was incepted eons ago, they were clear to their people. They knew that censorship is the most effective tool to regulate and ensure a moral and stable political environment for the people that they are ruling over. In fact, like I told you, it was the Greeks and the Romans that created censorship. They literally in fort, I think there's record of it in 443 BC that, um, these empires, the Greek empire and the Roman empire had come to such, have grown so much and they dominated most of the land on the planet that they actually created something called censor offices. That's where the word censorship comes from. And apparently if you read history and you read, uh, you know, up on this, you'll realize that people that worked at the censor that were responsible for censorship had the honorable task for putting forward rules and laws to be imposed on their citizens that are good for governance and their ability to rule. The coming of Jesus, obviously, threw a huge wrench in that. We all know this. That's where it was like, you're free. You should love. You shouldn't listen to what people tell you. Jesus came and he threw this wrench into it because that is what evil does. It enslaves your soul and your soul is what manifests your thoughts and your thoughts are your expression in your speech. You see? So the first actual law of censorship, as one might say, like, oh, this law is to censor you, like blatant, in recorded history, right, that someone actually put down, exists in China. And that was like in 298 AD. And that's according to historians. Now, in actual fact, though, we can all safely say that before that, before the, hey, this is a censorship law, um, because this is how we rule. We can safely say that there were so many people before them that were hung, torched, gutted, banished, that were victims of censorship, right? Only back then, the leaders didn't want to take responsibility for the censorship. They didn't want to say, well, Caesar said, or Pharaoh said, what would they say? The gods say this. So it was like under their fate of being free speech, right, was under blasphemy, remember? Galileo, Copernicus, how dare you tell us that we're not the center of the earth? Blasphemy, go to jail. It's because God says that we are the center of the the universe. And how dare you? He was right. But, you know, facts. We don't like this because we're ruling and we tell the people what to believe. You fall out of line, you're in trouble. That's what censorship is. So let's be honest with ourselves. Through the beginning of time, forever, ever, ever, Censorship has existed because censorship is the ultimate tool of power. You either censor people through legit censoring, fear censoring, or mass agreement censoring, or bombardment censoring, where they agree. So China, as we know, is a communist nation. I talked about yesterday how, you know, they're unapologetic about it because their laws are transparent, at least. I mean, you got to give them a hat tip. They're unapologetic about their laws because they're transparent with their people from implementation to execution, advising all of them, willing to live in their nation, 
and not having a choice to live in a nation, that these rules are the rules. Don't like it. Move if you can. Right. Winnie the Pooh, like, for example, literally banned from China. Like you post something about Winnie the Pooh, you could be thrown out in jail. You say something, jail. That's not freedom, right? No, it's not. But that's okay when you live in China because they don't hide the fact. They're like, listen, you want to be in my house? My rules. This is how we roll. Done. And you're going to be like, but every person born is free. I guess they have the decision to stay. Every child born in that nation is free, I guess. But they have to wait till they're 18 to leave. This is it. You have to realize that the Democrats are actually dictators. They are a party of dictators and they lie about it. At least President Xi's up front with it, right? They want communism, but they tell you that they're fighting for freedom. It's like a husband telling his wife, I love her, but never buys her flowers, never hugs her, and doesn't even sleep with her. That's domestic violence, right? Without the punching in the black eyes. Right. This is exactly what the Democrats are telling you. They're telling you they love you and they love your freedom, but they're selling your freedom away. They're not fostering your freedom. They're not embracing your freedom. They're actually minimizing it and trying to eradicate it. This is exactly what they're doing. And here's the thing. Their vector is the mainstream media. Their censorship cannot exist without the mainstream media. If the mainstream media is gutted, then they have no censorship to give. Because the mainstream media is spinning it through consumer branding, through images, through radio, through music, through your television, through telling you what you need to know and how walls are closing in. They're telling you censorship is good. This is what we have to do. We need to cut this out. And you'd be like, well, that's crazy. We live in America. No one's going to say let's censor someone. Well, yes, they did. And they've been completely unapologetic. Allow me to demonstrate. So first we have Facebook. It removes bans and silences any person who posts, shares, or comments on any topic they find to be offensive. They also deem people who discuss, report, or share information that they find hateful, dangerous. Who's they? YouTube, right? Let's go to YouTube. YouTube demonetizes, deplatforms, shadow bans, and removes all videos on any topic they find to be offensive. Their advertiser used as reason why they demonetize. Does it mean that their consumer industry dictates what is offensive? Who is they? Then we get to Twitter. Twitter deplatforms, shadow bans, and removes all videos or tweets of any topic they find to be offensive. If they determine that your speech is hateful, not only do you get banned from the service on Twitter, but you're removed from any other consumer product, banking, consumer products, transportation, because they deem you hateful. Who is they? Internet censorship. You're no longer able to host a website, blog, consumer point of sale, or enjoy the services of the free and open cyberspace community if they believe you're offensive or hateful. Who is they? They in China is the Chinese government. They say Winnie the Pooh is banned. It's banned. They say holding a sign that expresses your grievance is a crime. It's a crime. We know who they are in China. But who are they in the USA? Who are they in the USA? You need to ask yourself. Tons of you are going to probably be like, oh, they is Jack Dorsey. They is Zuckerberg. They is Hillary Clinton. They is Obama. They is this. They is that. Let's listen to a they telling you, uh, you know, how bad this all is. Let's just take a listen. His Twitter account should be suspended. Um, I think there is plenty of, of, of now evidence to suggest that he is irresponsible with his words in a way that could result in harm to other people. And so the privilege of using those words in that way should probably be taken from him. 
This is Kamala Harris, the person that helped perpetuate the Jesse Smollett hoax so she can push her lynching bill. She's not, she's one of the they, right? But who is they? That's your question. Who is they? She's asking for the president of the United States to not be afforded the privilege to speak. Who is they? Who is she to make the decision? The same woman that locked up an innocent man just to get a conviction. Who is they? Ask yourself, who is they? Do they live here? Are they in the United States? Are they maybe in Nursed, you know, or what was it called? Astana. Where are they? Where are they? I mean, where are they, they, they? Listen to how she gets the mainstream media to push her message even more. The president's tweets and his behaviors about this are just further evidence of the fact that he uses his power in a way that is designed to beat people down instead of lift people up. Frankly, when you look at what he's been tweeting today, directed at the whistleblower, um, directed at, at so many people, uh, you know, I, I frankly think that based on this and all we've seen him do before, including ta- attacking members of Congress, that he frankly should be, his Twitter account should be suspended. Um, I think there is plenty of, of, of now evidence to suggest that he is irresponsible with his words in a way that could result in harm to other people. And so the privilege of using those words in that way should probably be taken from him. Are you listening to that? They want to take away your right to free speech. <laughs> Wait, they want to take away the right to free speech by the president of the United States, the man we voted for, the man that, you know, took her turn, right? Um, because they believe that he is irresponsible with it. This is what they're telling you. And they have no, I would say, no qualms about it either. They don't care. They're just like, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is what the First Amendment tells us. Yet Kamala Harris says that they are allowed to censor. They are allowed to censor because they can. That is the thing. It is the, their goal is to change the opinion of how community responds to censorship. And that was done with a Protagoras back in 490. Uh, well, it was like 490, 420 BC. That's when he lived. But I think this, um, his work called Concerning the Gods in um, 450 uh, BC was what did it. It said, about the gods, I am not able to know either that they are or that they are not or what they are like in shape. The things preventing knowledge being many, such as obscurity of the subject, and that the life of man is short. Uh, you know, this was him uh, leaning to agnosticism in a way of retaliating to this um, uh, conservative uh, lean to censor people. 
And uh, this was um, his public admission of saying, you know, they keep using the gods as a tool to shut us up, man. Like, I don't know who God is or the gods. Uh, do they know me? All I know is that we're here. We have no idea where we came from. We kind of don't look like we belong here, but we kind of do. And our life is pretty much short. So and that, and back in the days, it was living till you're 50, 60 was a big deal. So. Those statements were obviously received with hostility and it would kill any, uh, obviously the censorship tools that they had at the time in the, you know, BC times where they were increasingly getting more sophisticated in how to change public opinion. And this is exactly what they're doing. They are trying to shift our public opinion. I mean, Biden's campaign literally wrote a letter telling the media to blacklist Rudy Giuliani. And you know what? Fox. CNN, every conservative outlet, period, that is claiming to be mainstream. They've censored Laura Loomer for speaking the truth. Three years ago, she talked about Ilhan Omar. Three years ago, she talked about this. She talked about that. Everything is coming to fruition now. You don't see any reference to them. And for me, they reference my deep dives, my articles, my rhetoric. And you know what they tell me? Well, can't you put it on the Tory says site? Because we don't want to cite Loomer site. Why not? Too bad. You're either going to cite the site or don't talk about it. That's the way it goes. You can leave it evasive. But the bottom line is censorship. I don't care if you believe in anything. If you are, you know, uh, a person that thinks that borders should be open and that illegal immigrants should vote, you should never be for censorship. Censorship provides organization, right? It gives a very structured society, but it takes out the freedom. So if you don't want freedom, then you're for the Democrats. If you want freedom, then you're not for the Democrats. That's the way it goes. Because the Democrats are trying to limit freedom. Freedom. They are applauding censorship. And again, they can't do anything without the mainstream media. Ever. That is their vector. That is the disease uh, you know, going into that cell and the cell to propagate and, and, and infect your body with the acceptance of it is the mainstream media. That is how they work. That is how they can propagate. They can't do it in other way. Think about it, guys. How many of us are there today? As we know, in just under almost a year, the one sixteenth Congress ends and their remedy to their actions will be the removal of the criminal actors that are purporting legislation and enacting behavior that intimidate citizens and they intimidate the citizens to remove their very right to speak freely. They will be removed from office. The answer, this remedy to this despicable Congress, to this despicable disease of communism, this despicable disease of censorship and taking away freedoms innately inherited by every human being on this planet at birth, our answer to this attack will be the 117th Congress, the power-hungry, nefarious dictator 
know this. They all know this is coming. And from now until November 20th, the only thing they will do is attack you. Because as the day of elections are commencing for this new house and it draws near, the establishment of rulers will do everything in their power to disallow us to remedy the cancer that plagues the vision of our forefathers from the day that they signed that Declaration of Independence. And they are using their strongest weapons in their arsenary. And that is the mainstream media and censorship. It's like a bow and arrow. The arrow is censorship. The mainstream media is the bow. And just like, it's like on cue, you guys. Think about it. How do you control such a huge population? Censorship by the mainstream media hasn't been new. Throughout decades, news, uh, you know, people that say that they report the news, you know, are not people that actually report the news have been arrested, blacklisted or killed, a.k.a. accidents, a.k.a. suicided, whatever, who spoke up against the government or these rulers or nefarious plots. The first no, most known victim and high profile in our government of unapologetic censorship paid for it with his life. That's what unapologetic censorship did. They took his life. That's the ultimate thing they can do is take the life. And that was President Abraham Lincoln. He refused to allow slavery. So the Democrats declared war. And the first civil war in the history of the United States was born from the Democrats. Nothing has changed. The Democrats still want their slaves. But with over 100 years of planning, they decided every mere citizen should serve them. And the best way to enslave every man, woman, and child is to convince them it was their idea to be enslaved. That's how you win. You don't win such a war, the war for people's freedom by force. You do so by convincing them to comply. There are over 300 million people that they wish to enslave right now. And there are only about 100,000 of them, and that's tops. The odds are definitely not in their favor. So in 2016, we noticed this bold and unapologetic uptick in censorship. Anyone who criticized politicians, especially Hillary Clinton's strange behaviors, her physical debilitation, health decline, criminal actions, and organized protesters that were paid by NGOs that were linked to Democrats, Obama for America, Soros, the Clinton campaign, they were deemed propaganda, specifically all such reporting, questions, posts on social media, or quests for the truth were dubbed Russian propaganda, according to mainstream media, even though there was actual evidence of the things that people were saying. Evidence like her health failing. Evidence of her crimes. Evidence that the protesters were being paid. I mean, Occupied Wall Street, there was a sign on Amalgamated Bank saying, we are funding Occupied Wall Street. And who was paying? Soros and Amalgamated Bank. Union funds, teachers funds were paying for that protest. It was just in, um, uh, just early in 2017 when it was announced that Amazon, who was the leading retailer for, is the leading retailer for books, right? Was leading the pack. In the censorship, you know, not only by book burning 2.0, which is like delete, 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 and I'm not selling, but their news outlet, the Washington Post, was the first one that had a story that headlined, Russian propaganda effort helped spread fake news during the election, experts say. Their experts were the DNC and claimed that Russia was using alternative news sites to spread anti-Clinton propaganda during the election campaign. No, her crimes spoke for themselves. Your crimes spoke for themselves. 
That is exactly what they did. They are trying to make us think the way they want us to think. So what are they doing? They are insulting every single input device our brain has. Smell, sound, visual, touch, air, everything and their mother is being attacked right now. The only shield you have is to remember, if someone's telling me not to listen, if someone wants to pull the man's tongue out, they're probably speaking the truth. When you see one person being attacked by people that don't know them, harassed like nobody's business, you got to wonder, what's really ticking these people off? I mean, if the person didn't murder anyone or you didn't see them, you know, having sex with a child or anything, or you didn't see them using, I don't know, donated funds for earthquake victims to create gold mines or anything, why are you attacking them? Why are you attacking the person that says, hey, you had sex with children, that's not okay. Hey, you're trafficking women, that's not okay. Hey, you use Senate money to hush people you raped, that's not okay. Hey, you helped kill people on a helicopter that you're linked to with this hotel that has pictures of children and all this stuff happens. But those people pointing out nefarious things are the evil ones. Those way, hey, you're using my tax money to, to, to build the deck in your house. Hey, uh, you're, you're wanted in many, many cities for embezzling HUD and FEMA funds. What are you doing? That person is the enemy. The one speaking is the enemy. That's what you have to do. That is your shield. Because from today going forward, because they are unapologetic. I mean, Kamala Harris is all over the media saying that the president is irresponsible with his words and needs to be shut up. Who is she to tell us that he is irresponsible with his words when she helped orchestrate a hate hoax? Who is she who claimed to be the first Indian American in Senate and then just suddenly she became African? This is what you need to do. Hold the shield up, even to me. Even to me. Hold your shield up. Because the 117th Congress is coming. It was planned perfectly. You think their symbolism is a problem? Everybody used symbolism. Everybody. Do you know that in Corinth, when there was a debate on censorship, back in the B.C. times, the coin of Corinth had a Q. Q wasn't even part of the alphabet. But it was a royal number of 17. Whatever, right? I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Keep that shield up. Be on the ready. See you all tomorrow. God bless.